This morning, God's Word comes to us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to begin our reading at verse 12 and then read through verse 22 of this chapter. First Thessalonians 5, beginning at verse 12, what we hear now is God's word. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Here we are in the reading of God's holy word. Well, it is the first Lord's Day of the new year. Uh, I don't know if it is your practice. Some people around New Year's time like to make New Year's resolutions. Uh, I don't make New Year's resolutions because I don't like to be disappointed when two weeks later I'm not keeping my resolution. Uh, perhaps you do like to make resolutions though. And uh, if you do, I would suggest that what we have in our text this morning are three resolutions uh, that we as a church uh, should make not only for the upcoming year, but for the rest of our lives. Paul gives the Thessalonian church uh, three directives for how they are to live and act as a church. And so we will look what was true for them and see it is also true for us today. I have the title of the sermon, Three New Year's Resolutions. We could probably just drop those two words, New Year's, just three resolutions uh, for the Christian church. Paul begins this way in verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Paul refers to these three, those who labor among you, those who are over you, those who admonish you. He's talking about one group of people who do these three things. He's referring to the eldership. Paul is saying you need to respect the elders God has given to you. And so we notice, as, uh, as we read in our form earlier this morning, the eldership is not some new invention for the church. It is not something that our church came up with. But already in the New Testament, we have the affirmation that there are to be elders in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who labor among you, those who are over you, those who admonish you. And we are to respect the elders God has given to us. 
Because God chooses to rule His church through them. We know that Jesus Christ is the only king and head of the church. We know that. And yet Christ chooses to rule His church, to regulate His church, through the office bearers that are appointed, particularly through the eldership. He rules the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so Paul says, brothers, respect those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Respect them very highly in love because of their work. Respect them not, first of all, because of who they are, but respect them for their calling, for the work God has called them to do. What is that work, kids? What is the work of the elders? You see some of what I do. You see me every Sunday get up and, and preach. That's what I do. We see the deacons, they get up and, and they take the offerings. What is it that the elders do? We are to esteem them highly in love because of their work. But one of the first things the elders do is the elders pray for God's people. That's a wonderful blessing. You as a congregation can know that in the upcoming year, these men seated in front are going to be holding you up in prayer. They're going to be praying for you regularly. We had in the bulletin this morning, I believe, uh, the list of pastoral care districts. The, the specific elder who will be praying for you, the elders each have a a particular part of the congregation they're concerned about. Now, we're concerned about all, all the congregation, but we focus our attention on that pastoral care district. And you will have an elder who regularly prays for you. One of the ways that, that the elders are able to do that is through the practice of family visiting. And as I said, we're going to do our best this year to keep on track. We, our goal is every two years to visit the entire congregation a visit by an elder. Not because the elders are nosy, not because it's just a casual social call. It is a call when the office bearers, the ministers of Christ, come and, and inquire about your spiritual life, encourage you in your walk with the Lord, and then can better pray for you. What does it elders do? They pray for the congregation. What else do elders do? Well, as I said, um, in a worship service, you can see either me or Dr. Squeers working. You can see the deacons working. I want to assure you, the elders are working as well. We maybe don't see it, but when the elders come to worship, they are listening to the Word of God being preached and evaluating the Word of God being preached. They are giving oversight. Oversight not only over the congregation, we often think about oversight in the congregation, they are giving oversight over the pulpit, over the ministry of the Word. The minister is under the authority of the eldership. 
And so it's not just me working this morning. It's not just Dr. Squeers working tonight. But the elders are here working, giving oversight, listening, and evaluating to make sure that the word of God is faithfully preached from this pulpit every Lord's Day morning, every Lord's Day evening, no matter who is in the pulpit. That's what elders do. They give oversight, and that is a blessing for us as well. Elders pray for us. Elders give oversight in the worship. And, as he says, elders admonish us. We ask you, brothers, respect those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. I can assure you, admonishment is not a task elders enjoy, but it is a task they are called to do. And this is for our benefit as well. When the elders see us living in ways that will damage our walk with the Lord, that will hurt our spiritual life, they will in love come to us for our good. Not because they want to, because they are required to. They will come to us in love for our good and give us admonishments from the Word of God. And when they do that, they come not just as men of the congregation. They come as those ordained by Christ. They come in His name to minister a loving word of admonishment or rebuke. This, this text obligates the elders. It obligates you men to, to take this task very seriously. To continue in the work which you have been doing. Not only oversight and prayer, but when necessary, admonishing the people of God. It obligates the elders to the work God in Christ has given them to do. Of course, it obligates us as a congregation as well. Paul goes on to say, be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace. Help the elders. Help the elders in their work by the congregation being at peace with each other. If I can put it very boldly, don't make more work for them. Don't make more work for them. By living at enmity with each other. Don't be quick to take offense. We are all fallen. We are all sinful. We will all do and say things that are not pleasing to God. Be patient with each other. Don't be quick to take offense. And be patient with the eldership as they, as they help when necessary to work through difficult pastoral care situations. It takes time to work through some issues. They don't change overnight. And so be patient. Be patient with each other. Be patient with the eldership. And, and Paul says, verse 14, we urge you, brothers, that's the church, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. There should be mutual accountability within the congregation. 
If there are times where there needs to be encouragement or admonishment, we as brothers and sisters in the Lord can come patiently and lovingly. Don't say, oh, I hope the elders hear about this. Or don't say, elders, you've got to do something about this. We have a responsibility as the church of Jesus Christ to admonish each other, to encourage each other, to, to be patient with each other. He says to, it, to us in verse 15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Seek, pursue this type of goodness. Pursue this type of relationship as a congregation. Respect the office bearers and the work God has called them to do. That's our, our first resolution. Paul goes on. He says in verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And in these three verses, Paul uses terms all related to our prayer life. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. How is it possible to give thanks in all circumstances? How is it possible to rejoice always? Because we remind ourselves that our joy is not based on our circumstances. Our joy is not based on the situation in which we find ourselves. Our joy in life is based on knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, remembering what God has done for us, remembering that He sent His Son down from heaven to come live on earth among sinful men and women. He came and sent His Son to die on a cross that we might be forgiven. That's where our joy is found. No matter what our circumstance, our joy is found in whose we are, in Christ Jesus. God, God gives us that, that character of joy when we find our joy in Him, not in the circumstance in which He has placed us. Paul says, pray without ceasing. What does that mean, kids? Pray without ceasing. Does that mean that every minute of every day we're supposed to be praying? No, that's not what that means. Paul says, make prayer a regular pattern in your life. Make prayer the character of your life. Something regular, something ongoing, something we do continually. In the past minute, each of you has taken about 10 to 12 breaths. Now, I didn't need to remind you of that. I didn't have to remind you to breathe. You just did it. It was natural. It was, it was instinctual. That's the essence of pray without ceasing. It's, no one has to remind us. It's natural. It's, it's ongoing. Now, certainly, there will be focused times of prayer in our lives, our devotional life, but throughout the day, prayer is the character of who we are. If any one of you in the past minute had stopped taking those breaths, that would be noticeable. We would notice that. Because it would, it would in fact, endanger your life. If you stop breathing, your physical life is in danger. 
The same is true in our spiritual life. If we fail to to regularly spend time in prayer, this time talking with God, this time pouring out our hearts to Him in praise, uh, asking Him for those things which are needful, our spiritual health is in danger. I mentioned New Year's resolutions, you know, the top three resolutions have to do with, uh, you know, losing weight and getting in shape and all these types of things to be physically healthy. And, And that's good, that's fine. But what about resolutions for our spiritual life? What resolutions do you have for your walk with the Lord in the year 2023? To grow in your love and devotion to Him. To be a person of prayer who prays without ceasing. This is, this is Paul's encouragement to the, to the church. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. And notice... Notice, Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. We have times of hardship. We have times of loss. We have difficulties in our lives. We have broken relationships between spouses, broken relationships with our children or our parents. There are issues of long-term illness. There are losses we face. Paul isn't saying everything's going to be fine. But what he's reminding us of is even in these difficult circumstances, we have a God who goes with us. In fact, a God who goes ahead of us. None of the difficulties of our lives are a surprise to God. As we look forward to the coming year, perhaps perhaps there's a bit of uh, uh, anxiety. What might this next year hold? What will happen? We remind ourselves, God already knows the fullness of this upcoming year. We we go through difficult times, and, and perhaps it is in those times That we see God working on us, working in us, to conform us more fully to the image of His Son. Unfortunately, I find that it is often through the trials in life that I learn and I'm drawn closer to God than when things are going smoothly. We can be thankful in all circumstances because God is at work in us, his people. Our second resolution, be devoted to prayer. And then finally, Paul says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And it might seem like Paul's just kind of uh, giving the end of a, of a grocery list here, but actually these, three, these things all connect together in that they are all related to the place of the Word of God in our lives. Paul says, do not despise prophecies. Now, we know that we are past the age of prophets. The age of prophets was for the time before the Scriptures were written for us. And God would speak directly to His people through a prophet. That age has come to a close. Now we have the inscripturated Word of God. But yet we can still despise prophecies. We can despise the word of God as it's been given to us. And so he says, don't quench 
the Spirit. The Spirit works through that word. Don't, don't quench the Spirit. Kids, the Spirit's kind of talked about as a fire sometimes. This is one of those times. Don't quench the Spirit. How do you, how do you put out a fire? Well, there are a couple ways. Probably the most, the most common way to put out a fire is to put water on it. You put water on a fire, that'll put out a fire. Another way to put out a fire is to stop fueling it. Stop putting wood on the fire. And slowly, 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 that fire will go out. It dies for lack of fuel. Paul says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Don't let the fire of the Spirit die for lack of fuel. What is that fuel? That fuel is the Word of God. An intake of God's Word. When our kids were little, um, one of the assignments they had, I think it was in fourth or fifth grade, uh, when they were studying the Bible, they said, go home and count all the Bibles in your house. Well, I know we all have a lot of Bibles. In a minister's house, we got a lot of Bibles. I think the number was 30 or 40 Bibles we had in the house when you counted my, my study as well. And that's great. And that's wonderful. But the Bible doesn't really help as long as it stays on the shelf. It doesn't really help as long as it's lying on the coffee table. We have to have this ongoing intake, feeding, fueling ourselves on the Word of God, reading it, studying it, memorizing it, having a regular time of daily devotion, not only in prayer to God, but hearing from God, listening to His Word, an intake of that fuel that we not quench the work of the Spirit, taking every opportunity to grow in our knowledge of God's Word. And again, in our congregation, we have many opportunities to grow in the Word of God. Many Bible studies for men, for women, for boys, for girls, for couples, for singles. All kinds of opportunities. I would encourage you in the new year to resolve, to do all you can to feed on the Word of God. And certainly that begins, that begins with coming to worship taking every opportunity to feed on God's Word. We have two meals prepared for us every Lord's Day. A meal at 9.30 in the morning and a meal at 6 o'clock at night. I would encourage you, I would challenge you to resolve that you will do everything possible to intake all of God's Word in this coming year. Don't, don't leave the Lord's day half-fed, but come and dine and enjoy the fullness of two meals on the Word of God, two meals gathering with your brothers and sisters, two meals in praise to God. He says, test everything Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Test, test what you hear, test what you see, test it against the word of God. 
We live in a climate where all kinds of ideas are out there and everybody claims to have truth. Where do we find truth? It is in God's word. Test what you hear against that which is reliable. And when you find something which is true, hold fast to it. And when you find something that is evil, abstain from it. Applying the word of God to our hearts, applying it to our lives. The third resolution, trust. Trust in God's word. We're at the beginning of a new year. Perhaps you like resolutions, perhaps you don't. Either way, Paul gives us godly direction. Paul gives us godly instruction. That as a church, we would respect the office bearers he has given us because of their work, because they work for Christ. As a church, we would have an active prayer life in all circumstances. And as a church, we would trust the word of God, not quenching the spirit, but fanning the flames, taking every opportunity to grow in God's grace. Oh, we know that left to ourselves, just like me and my resolutions, we would fail. And so we pray. We pray that God would strengthen us that God would encourage us. We pray for God's blessing as we enter this new year, that it may be a year of spiritual growth, of being drawn closer to him. And as he works in our lives, he then gets the glory as well. We praise him for what he has done. Oh, we look forward to living under the grace of God and in his faithfulness in the year 2023. Let's join together in prayer. Lord, our God, we do thank you for being a faithful and loving God, a God who's revealed yourself so beautifully to us, a God who, although Jesus Christ went back to heaven, left us with office bearers here on earth. Help us, O oh God, to resolve to do what you have called us to do, to live as your church in a way that is pleasing to you. Give us that strength, give us that desire, give us that devotion, and in this coming year, O oh God, bring praise to yourself as you draw us closer to you. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake, amen. We turn to number 555 in the Trinity Psalter. Number 555, another year is dawning. Dear Father, let it be in working or in waiting. Another year with thee. Another year of leaning upon thy loving breast. Another year of trusting of quiet, happy rest. We're going to sing all three verses. Number 555, we'll stand as we sing.
receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.